Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, you've heard me talk about the importance, if you're going to hire a financial advisor, who you hire. Well, there's evidence all the time, including some I'll share with you now, how important it is to know who you're hiring and, more important, why you're hiring that person or firm. And later, labor shortage in the United States. That is an ongoing theme Actually, it's not just in the United States because so many countries in the world have an aging population. It's going to lead to whole new ways of doing things, and I'm seeing them at places I go all the time. I'm going to share with you where it looks like we're headed in the labor force over the next few years and what it means for you and your paycheck. So every week... I see several stories about someone in the financial advice business who cheated clients out of all their life savings, blah, blah, blah. And Barron's Magazine, which is written for the finance industry and for people who work in it, has a section where they write about what's going on with advisors and every issue It'll be about somebody going to prison for stealing their investors' money. I want to first start there and then talk about what about somebody who's not stealing your money, but instead the way they do business effectively greatly reduces your future financial strength. So there's a core theme, like here I've got one with a financial advisor in Ohio who fleeced investors around the country. He's going to prison for 22 years, ran a Ponzi scheme. He told people that they were going to make this big return on their money and that there was zero risk. Okay, so those two things, guaranteed return, no risk, great returns. Over and over and over again, when I read the things about where people have been prosecuted, they're going to prison for having stolen from their clients, It is repeatedly where they promise people wealth without any risk. And that's what I want you to keep in your head with any investment. I think about the frenzy we had with the people who were barraging us with questions about the latest new crypto back in 20 and 21 And by the way, we're not hearing from the crypto crowd these days because, well, we know how that played out. And some of the cryptos were completely bogus. Others were just speculative holdings. And I will repeat very briefly, the underlying architecture of crypto has real useful, real world applications 
And as electronic money matures, you'll see the benefits of that. But we've been in the Wild West phase, and that led to a lot of con artists, theft, criminal activity. Just remember, when people promise you the shortcut, you know, you don't have to have all these years. You're going to have all this wealth like that. I mean, you're just going to blink and you're going to have all that wealth. That's when you know to be careful. Somebody who says, oh, I've got this, this information that's going to be very valuable to you. You're going to make all this money. So remember this. If somebody really had some kind of extra inside scoop and they could make a zillion, why would they share it with you? They wouldn't, right? They wouldn't. And so know that I could give example after example after example of people who promised you're going to make in this private placement, you're going to make all this money, or we have these promissory notes for you, or anything like that, where they're promising an enormous return. That's when you know you've got to really be back on your heels and be skeptical. Now, let's move to the fuzzy area that is so hard for people with, as I shared with you a couple of months ago, there are a couple of hundred different sets of initials that people are using in the financial industry, holding themselves out as some kind of expert. And so you're busy with your life. This may not be an area that holds a lot of interest to you. You may be intimidated by it. And so when you meet that friendly face who who talks a good game and says, you know, we're going to do this portfolio for you and all that. What's so important is to know what's behind the curtain. And if you're a longtime listener of me, you know that the first standard that you must adopt, must, is that the individual who you are considering hiring is a fiduciary, meaning that they legally do and are required to legally do what's in your best interest. Most people out there that are holding themselves out as a financial advisor, expert, whatever, investment, whatever, they will not enter into a legally binding fiduciary agreement with you because they are selling products in the guise of providing advice and financial planning that the products have embedded in them very, very high fees and commissions. Many times with insurance products, the fees you're paying are so extraordinarily high that the only person who's going to make any money is the salesperson who is pretending to be a financial advisor to you. But if you hire a fiduciary, you will be paying him or her for his or her advice. It'll be a clear fee you're paying. They will tell you how the fee is set. And then they are duty-bound legally to advise you on things and a strategy for your future that will get you where you want to go if you put in the money that you would have to put in to meet that plan. Now, just because somebody is fully above board and as a fiduciary, you have to think of it like anything else. Doctors in a particular specialty vary in quality, right? 
So do financial people. So do accountants, anything like that. So the first standard, and that's why it's the must, it's mandatory, is that you only consider people who are fiduciaries, and then you interview people to see who's best. And for you, and who you click with, and who is asking the right questions and listening to you, very important they're listening to you because it's not about picking this fund or that fund or that stock or the other stock or this ETF. It's about what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? When do you want to do it? What's your family situation? A holistic approach to you achieving what you want to do. If it's just about picking investments, you don't need any human, at least as you're kicking off on saving money, you can use any of the robos that are available from the discount brokers or robo advisors like Betterment or Wealthfront and build a portfolio. The reason you hire a financial person is not to pick investments and build a portfolio. You hire them as part of planning your goals, your future, your life at various phases of it. And if you hire methodically, and we have a guide to how to pick a fiduciary, If you follow the process and interview people and hire right and you live up to your part of it by how you're living your life and living on less than what you make, then that individual will be your partner in meeting your goals. You don't want somebody who takes you for a great steak dinner. I mean, I just, in yesterday's mail, I had a mailer that was offering me a free steak dinner at Ruth's Chris. And I love the 400-degree plate and the sizzle of that steak on it. But it would be the most expensive free steak I ever ate if I went and did business with the salesperson pitching the free dinner. I think you should go. Get the free dinner. They'll see you and they'll feel sick. I've gotten thrown out before yeah. of things I've gone to. I and mean, they invited you. Yeah. All right. We'll go to some questions. This one's from Andy in Vermont. Why are all the streaming services updating their subscriber agreements? I recently received emails from Roku, Peacock, and Hulu that they're updating their subscriber agreements. Is there some underlying reason they would all change around the same time, or is it just a coincidence? So, first of all, a lot of the streaming services right now are trying to aggregate. A lot of the change in terms of services are because what they're trying to do now, the public is really confused. Consumers are really confused like, okay, so I got this stream, but I want that show and I want this. And so everybody's trying to stake out a claim to real estate and sell their competitors and other services. So one of the key reasons for the change in terms of service lately have been about that. The other Anybody who subscribes to Netflix may have received the change in terms of service where you can't share your password with people who are not at your physical address anymore without paying an additional fee. And so there's a lot of tumult in it, and that's what it's about. With the change in terms of service, though, you could find that the service you're with isn't actually the one changing the terms of service. Could be one of the others that you can buy through them that's had a 
terms of service change. Like the Roku one he mentioned, you know, you, if you Yeah, because you can TV. subscribe to all different things with Roku. Do right. you do that? I did before when I had a Roku TV, but now I just have my regular subscriptions separately that I buy. Did you go to Amazon Fire or how? what are you doing? For, no, I just have individual stream? subscriptions and I have a smart TV that I can add the apps to. So, so you're I using like Samsung way. smart TV Sony or one. Sony mm-hmm. smart TV. And are you happy with their smart functions like you were with Roku? Yeah, I really like it. I feel like it's a good, I actually like it better. So I'm very happy with it. Um, but I think they all are pretty good. I didn't love LGs. I had a small LG and I wasn't happy with that, but they could have changed it by now. Um, Hulu also just recently increased prices in October. So that could have also been the Hulu email. Yeah, there are so many price increases. Uh, Sling is increasing their prices. They're going up. They're pricing themselves below the other streaming services, but still going up significantly. Because originally, if I remember, I, the base Sling was 20 a month. And now the base is going to be 40 a month, but wow. it, it, not all in one jump. It's been stepping up over time. Peacock decreased charges recently, what you pay for that. So because well, Peacock has had a really hard time establishing mind space with people that they should subscribe to it or keep it. So they're trying to find what's the sweet spot that will get people to actually take up Peacock because they have not been able to establish themselves. And they just added streaming the Hallmark Channel in time for all the holiday movies, which some of us enjoy watching. Are you big into that? It's fun. I love sitting there and chilling and watching it with a cup of coffee by the fire as a stereotype that I am. And what is your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, well, the Hallmark movies are just, they're all very similar. So I wouldn't say one of those. I actually love Actually is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's kind of a Christmas Called movie. Called what? Love Actually. Oh, because Lane's favorite is an old Jimmy Stewart movie. It's a wonderful life. Oh, well, that's a classic. All right. We'll get to some more questions. Matt in South Carolina says, I was getting quotes from contractors to get some trees and limbs removed. The next thing I know, my wife got a call from one of them saying the job was done. We never signed a contract for the work or scheduled anything. Perhaps the quote guy misunderstood that all we wanted was a quote. The last communication we received from the boss was, if you would like to move forward, I can send over our insurance info and get you scheduled in one week. We never responded because we were getting other quotes. I suspect the quote guy and the boss guy were not communicating and the quote guy just scheduled the job. I don't know. I've contacted Consumer Affairs and the police department for advice. They said I could get sued if I don't pay. The tree company offered to reduce the price for the miscommunication, but do I owe them if I never decided I wanted to move forward? So we've had situations like this of various scenarios over the years. This goes all the way back to English common law. And as a general rule, you are liable for improvements done to your property. It is a terrible problem over the years because you invited these people onto your property to give an estimate, you did not hire them to do the work. I assume you still have the electronic trail showing that you had not hired them. So the work was done. And yes, it could get to be a legal mess. They can file a lien against your property, which doesn't mean anything unless you're planning to sell, do a refinance, anything like that in the next while. Because all that does is that gives them an opportunity later to sue you. In the meantime, messes you up. So in the conversations I've had with construction attorneys about this situation, 
what I have heard repeatedly is, as unfair as it is, the best thing to do is try to cut a deal, pay a reduced rate, and be done with it, which does not sound like that's fair at all. In fact, that's in the life's not fair department. Or you could hang tough and see how it plays out. But uh, the work was done, not by somebody you authorized, but the work has been done. And that's why cutting a deal that is at a price that feels fair to you in an unfair situation is likely the best answer. Horrible. You're shaking your head I mean, at me like you can't believe I'm saying it that. It could be a scam. I mean, it's really bad. that they. I hope they did a good job at least. But it was interesting because the advice that you got from both organizations was correct. Even though they're in the wrong, you can be sued by the company. And that's why if the deal is reasonable enough or you counter with the deal that feels reasonable to you, it's best to wash your hands of the situation. Up next, the labor market. How companies are starting to innovate because of the shortages and at times unreliable supply of labor. So here we are in polling where some polls, depending on how the question's asked, people tell pollsters that we're already in a recession in the United States. It's an unusual situation because there's been no recession I can recall where there are severe labor shortages like we continue to have now with 10 million unfilled jobs. But if you look at the demographics in the United States, the reasons for labor shortage are clear. And they may have been magnified through the COVID cycle where people reevaluated their lives. A lot of older workers said, hey, I'm out of here. And some have come back, others have not. But we've been in a demographic time bomb for a while. And the labor shortages predate the COVID cycle. They are going to continue because we're an aging population. Historically, in recent years, we have gotten younger workers through immigration, both legal and illegal. And as a country, we have no consensus on immigration at all. The political parties are completely divided. We have had no effective strategy for dealing with illegal immigration in the United States. So we are at stalemate as to whether or not we're going to use foreign-born workers, either as contract or temporary or anything like that, to deal with the shortage of younger workers that fill so many of the service jobs that are empty. I mean, you talk to people in industries, and they'll tell you how hard it is to find workers. I was in a hotel in Southern California last month, and there was a thing that was handed to me when I checked in that was a card about how housekeeping works at the hotel. The card was basically, there is no housekeeping if your stay is five nights or less unless you request it, and that if they can accommodate you, they would do a visit to your room. You can come to the desk and get fresh towels and things like that. And the room that I was in was clean, but it was missing supplies. There was no facial tissue in there. There was uh, only one towel instead of what should have been four. And so I had to go out and get stuff like that. And 
the worker shortage in restaurants. I was at, a, uh, normally I don't get to eat at fancy restaurants, but I got to eat a fancy restaurant meal the other day. And they are so short staffed at this pretty high ticket restaurant that they have a barcode there to pay your bill when you're done because the servers are so busy and they're dealing with so many more tables than normal that they can't even afford the time to come and bring you your bill when you're done. When you're done, you just barcode, you get up, you pay, you get up and you leave. And the automation behind the scenes in the kitchen is going to increase so much. I can tell you from my visits over the years to CES, the, what used to be the Consumer Electronics Show, but now so much of what's being shown at CES is business-to-business electronics for automating all kinds of things on the factory floor, in the restaurant, in the um, laundry. There are all these devices that are being created that the best ones and the ones that are most likely to succeed to me are ones that assist a human in doing work, not replace a human in doing work. Big distinction with automation that nobody really ever talks about outside the scientific community. But the labor shortage is something we're going to have to adapt to. And I've talked about the, you know, the kiosks and fast food that you go and order. But even the kind of restaurants people are opening or changing, and there's a small restaurant chain I'm familiar with, white tablecloth restaurant chain. They've started opening locations where it's the same menu in a nice setting, but instead you go order your food at a counter, and they have food runners that bring you your food because they just flat out cannot get enough front of the house people. And we're going to see an industry you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, small, large, in between, adapt to the marketplace. And we will adapt to this. And that's why the United States has become a manufacturing powerhouse again. Sadly, it doesn't involve the number of workers that it used to involve. But automation has made it possible for us to manufacture here in ways we have not in two generations. So manufacturing is solidly back. The number of jobs required for the output of goods these factories are making greatly reduced because of the automation that is available now. So the worker shortage requires that a business owner must adapt to survive and succeed. And in some ways, more and more is going to be shifted to us. I was in an experimental Walmart doing a TV story last week. An existing Walmart that had been renovated top to bottom, and in the front of the store, all the registers had been removed. And everything there, except for one register for people to comply with ADA, everything was self-checkout. You can check out on the Walmart Plus app if you're a Walmart Plus member. Otherwise, you go through and it is just a sea of self-checkout machines. So it looks really, really, really different than how it's looked. It looks like this is a permanent shift that is taking place and a whole new mentality 
about how to deal with the possibility of shoplifting and all the rest. You'd have to see the design of one of these new stores to see how they've really thought about how to eliminate what they call shrinkage theft and at the same time have us be our own cashiers. Krista, you are out and about a lot. Have you seen anything that's like, wow, that's really different? Well, when I was with you having lunch a couple weeks ago, I was served by my first robot. That was crazy. Did you like the robot? It was cool. Chick-fil-A is experimenting with robots that, because of their labor shortages they're facing, that bring the food to your table. And so what you do is when you order and you're assigned a table number, you go sit down, you have your beverage, you go sit down, and then the robot brings your food to you. And then it goes right back to the front to get the next order. It doesn't call in sick either. No. Okay. Deb in Georgia says, uh, my husband was hospitalized in February. To date, I have not received a bill from the hospital. I received bills from the specialists in a timely way. No charges from the hospital for the ER, room, meds, etc. Do I continue to wait? So Deb, under the law, it would be a bad idea for you to wait because a hospital bill goes above the triggers under the new law involving what is reported on your credit report that would be devastating to you. So call the hospital billing office, send them an email as well. Show that you have done your due diligence to try to get a bill from the hospital because hospital bills don't get better with time. They only get worse. If you have insurance, your insurance company is a lot more helpful to you when they're billed earlier rather than later. Amy in Kansas says, golden handcuff query. I've been a public school teacher for 30 years, and I'm really loathing every moment of every day. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I can collect a small pension now and do something else or try to stick it out the six more long years. Words to wisdom, please. And P.S. I'm married. My husband can carry insurance and we could live on one income. Life's too short to be miserable, Amy. And the hard thing here is that pensions, there are only 15%, I think, of American workers have any form of pension anymore. But pensions tend to be heavily backloaded towards the end of the years required to boost a pension. So those six years would make a massive difference. Six years, though, is forever in a job that you just hate getting up in the morning and going to. So quality of life versus money. If you and your husband are comfortable, confident that you will be okay financially going forward, if you bag teaching after this school year, I would move on. Um, I mean, money is not everything. And if you have enough financial security, money definitely is not what should drive your decision. And Sal in Florida says, I heard your podcast recently and how you advise to never, ever go into a dealership, but I thought pretty much every dealership has gone to the no haggle policy. So if a car is $30,000 online, how are you going to pay thousands more if you go in person? In addition, my wife absolutely needs to ride in it to see if it's comfortable. How do you handle that? Okay. So glad you asked this, Sal. Very few dealers have gone to fix prices. Very few. It's a big part of the used car market because of CarMax and the struggling Carvana, but it is a tiny part of new vehicle purchase. 
don't know from what you said if you're talking about buying new or used. If you're buying new, all the games still exist. Dealers are still doing the grind like they did before. The grind is when they all brag about how they ripped off this one, that one, or the other one. And you will pay, I promise, if you go to a dealer and negotiate a deal on a car at a dealer, most consumers will pay thousands and thousands and thousands more than if you negotiate from the convenience and comfort of your own home or your office with emails or through one of the buying services that are available to buy a car. I would say also to you, the best way to do a test drive, believe it or not, is to rent the car you're interested in for two days. A 10-15 minute test drive is not enough basis typically to make a decision for a multi-year ownership cycle. The money you spend on that rental could keep you from buying a car you thought you would love or confirm that the car you thought you'd love, you really do love, and then you buy it. But remember, the power goes to the home team. If you're at a dealership, they are the home team. If you're at your own home and they're trying to get your business, you're now in charge. You're the home team. Probably easiest to do something like that, a rental through Turo, don't you think, to get the specific car you're looking at? Very good idea. Yes, T-U-R-O. Edward in North Carolina says, Clark, you're a person who has traveled many places. I know you love the good old USA, but if you had a choice to live anywhere outside the United States, where would that be and why? Well, okay, so not practical, Clark, would say Italy. I mean, I love Italy. Every time I go, I just love it, love it, love it. Italy is always in some amount of disruption and chaos, and it's not the easiest place to live permanently, and to buy property there is just a nightmare. So my second choice that would be the more practical one that's a great place to live and would be more affordable, Portugal. Although I find Portuguese a very difficult language to learn. But Portugal is outstanding. It's one of the safest countries anywhere. The Portuguese people are wonderful. The Italian people are wonderful. But if I were to tip the balance, it would be Portugal. Now, an honorable mention would be Thailand. But it gets a little hot, gets a little rainy part of the year. But the Thai people and the country that I've had the privilege of going to several times in my life, what a great place. But if you ask my kids, there's one place and one place only they'd want to live in the world, outside the United States. Where? You ever heard them talk about it? No. Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they uh, just love, love, love Australia. I took my three kids to Australia, and they had the best time. I mean, and everybody can have their own personal list, but most practical of all, Portugal, and they have a path to long-term residency for Americans that is not that convoluted if you'd like to be able to stay there a good long while. So I want to thank you for listening today, and I hope that you've signed up for our Clark Deals newsletter. You know what Clark Deals is? It's where we do not waste your time. We post deals that we believe in our head and our heart 
are good deals for you up to the minute. And the shoes I'm wearing right now, they were on Clark deals. Nice. These Sauconies, $39 when I got them. And so when you're looking for a way to save money on the stuff you need, the stuff you want, the stuff you're going to buy, we got it for you at Clark Deals. And our newsletters, you can see at Clark.com slash newsletters. And Clark Deals is ClarkDeals.com. Key, I want you to save money on your holiday shopping. And I've met what I've said through this inflationary cycle. Please do not get caught up in the Christmas hype and spend more than you can afford this Christmas season. Have a great day.